It's a good day. It's a good, good day today. If you're a guest joining us this morning, um, thank you for being here. You, you came on the right day, okay? In 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 11, here's what we see. Go ahead and make that out. Make your uh, tie checks out. Today we're talking as we continue in our series on the Holy Spirit. Today we're talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I, I, am, I am out of my mind excited about this. <laughs> I am just so excited about this. Some of you, again, you may know this, you might not know this, but you, we live in the time, the time of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. All right? That's good news. All right. Let's pray for this. Father, bless the gift. Bless the tithe. Bless everything that's being given today. Lord, bless your people with your abundance and your grace and your mercy and your provision. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. If you can do two things at once, if you don't have a Bible, you can look at it on the screen. And what we're doing today is that we are actually going through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's some people that say that there's other gifts of the Holy Spirit, which there are in Romans chapter 12. But today we're talking about the ones that are found in 1 Corinthians um, 12. Now, it says this. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given from the same common good, for the same common good. To one there is given the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by, the means, by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and, st and still to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are for the work of the, all these are the work of one and the same spirit, and, it, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Now, I need to just give you a little bit of structure and why it's important to understand this, because what we're talking about this morning are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to go through these different gifts, and we're going to talk about what they are and why they're important today, why we need them. But there's a very clear explanation as to why we have them that we see actually in verse 7. But before we get there, I want to kind of give you a, a, an extended train of thought here, if that's okay. Because the Scripture tells us something very important in Ephesians chapter 4. It says this, that when Jesus ascended, that He gave gifts to men. Okay? And those gifts, those gifts are what we call the fivefold ministry. The apostles, the prophets, the pastors, the evangelists, and the teachers. And the reason why he gave those specific gifts, he didn't give them to everybody. There are certain people called to God that have those. And now again, just so you understand, it's very important to understand this in the Western culture. This is not a hierarchical thing. Okay, as a matter of fact, the fivefold ministry the best way to describe it is at the bottom. If there was a pyramid, it'd be at the bottom. It says that everything is built upon them. Not from a status position, but from a position of assuming authority that was given by Jesus Christ to execute that office, to do one thing, which is to edify the people of God, the body of Christ, the members of the body for the work of ministry. Now here we see this because this brings everybody into full view, into full focus. 
Because the mission of God, the mission of God in, in, on this earth for you is that you would execute your calling on this earth. Every one of you have it. It's unescapable. You cannot deny it. You can't say, no, not me. I don't have anything special baloney. By saying that, that's false humility. Let's just, let's just kind of like kick that crutch out right now. Don't ever say you don't have a gift to have. Why? Because you were created by the creator. If you were created by the ultimate creator, you have a gift. Why? Because he's awesome. He doesn't make, you know, junky stuff. So you have a gift, but that gift has to be manifest. It has to come in and be made alive. Some of you have the gift of, of mercy. Some of you guys have the gift of generosity. Some of you have the gift of teaching. Some of you have the gift of, 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 of serving. You have the gift of, of prophecy. You have these different things. But it has to come into full power. It has to come into the full thing. And the only way that happens is through the fivefold ministry. It has to be built up. But then we fast forward over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where we are today, which is the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And here's what we see, is this, is that nobody is excluded and everybody should desire. These are not one and done gifts, meaning that you only have one of these and that's yours. And you kind of tuck it away and you say, my, my gift is word of knowledge. That's what I do. That's what I'm really good at. That may be true, but you are not to hold on to that thing. Like that's the only thing that you are ever to possess. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul at the end of 1 Corinthians 12 says, eagerly desire all the gifts, the greater ones. Why? He's pushing us to, to, to do this, and there's a reason why. Because the word gifts here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is a very powerful word that we actually have a lot, a, a lot of uh, commonality with. And it's the Greek word charisma, from which where we get, um, if you grew up in a church like I did, the word charismatic. If you've ever heard of that term before, that's where it came from. And this is what it means. It means the gift that brings grace. And so the Holy Spirit's job in you is to allow the gift of the Holy Spirit to come out in you so that grace abounds in what we see in verse 7 of 1 Corinthians 12, so that the body can grow. For the edification of one another. For the common good. The scripture says for the common good of the body. What that means is this. Is that the body only functions in the grace of the Holy Spirit. Whenever there is a deficiency, God's answer through the Holy Spirit is the grace, grace, grace. Whenever there is a deficiency, whenever there is something that needs to be done, the Holy Spirit comes and He enables somebody in His grace to bring a gift that is needful for the body. Why do we need to not only understand the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but to honor them and to take them and to desire them because we will not grow unless we operate in them. And one of the most amazing heresies in the body of Christ for the last 2,000 years has been to try to shuffle the Holy Spirit down to a minimal role within the church. The first church, the early church, the church of the book of Acts, did not live under the revelation that some of us grew up living under concerning the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, when you go and you read the book of Acts and you see the things that happen, I can, I can point you to a couple places. In Acts chapter 4, we're going to talk about it a little bit today. After Peter and John get out of prison for healing the, 
the lame man. So what do they do? Is they come back together and they say, Holy Spirit, enable us to continue to push in deeper into the things so that we see more signs and wonders happen on the earth. That's a gift of the Holy Spirit. Why were they praying that? Because at that moment, they stood at a crossroads. They understood that if we continue to do this, that we're going to face one of two things. Something will motivate us. It is either a desire to see the grace of the Holy Spirit move on the earth so that men's hearts are tied into Jesus Christ, or fear is going to motivate us. The fear of what's going to happen to us physically, the fear of what's going to happen to our families, our well-being. They understood that that day in which they lived, they were facing that. And what they decided to do is something that we should decide to do, but it requires us to honor the Holy Spirit and desire His gifts, is that they got together, they joined hands in the place that they were, and they prayed in the Holy Spirit, and they said, Holy Spirit, continue to empower us so that signs and wonders continue to flow from us. Why? Because it was more beneficial for the grace of the Holy Spirit to move through them and into the earth, and thank you, Jesus, it did, because we're all byproducts of that truth, than it was for them to fear losing their lives. How many of you know that when we read this stuff in the book of Acts, it's not accidental. They're not these great, um, necessarily noble people. They're powerful people, but they're not like these great, they didn't possess this amazing character. They were functioning in the grace of the Holy Spirit. So the reason why the Holy Spirit gives us the gifts that he's given us is so that the body of Christ will be built up from the inside out. There's a need, there's a need today and, and I don't want to oversimplify this, but I really want you to understand this, that, that everything that is going on in the world today, the church has been given the answer to. This is really important to understand because we can, we can twiddle our thumbs or we can scratch our heads or we can get frustrated in our bedrooms when, when we see things that are happening on the earth today. And, and another thing, okay, so just just hold on to that thought. Another thing is that you're not here accidentally. So whoever goes into office, don't change your citizenship. <laughs> All right? Because you're not here accidentally. You're actually here to be a dispensation, to, to, to bring out the air of grace, the, the time frame of grace on the earth through the Holy Spirit. And so what happens is this, the Holy Spirit gives gifts and they start and they begin to edify the body and the body begins to grow and it spills over into the places that God has seated the particular body, the city in which that particular body has been seated in. And so if our prayer ever lines up, if our prayer ever lines up, to say, God, we want to see your spirit touch Port Natchez and Nederland and Groves and Port Arthur. Then our follow-up prayer must say, Holy Spirit, we honor you. Please come and fill us in power with your gifts and your grace. All right, let's keep going. Let's look at each one of these gifts. The first one we see I'm going to put together is the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. What's interesting about this right here is that this is the only time in the entirety of the Bible that this is mentioned. It's kind of cool. The Holy Spirit chose to, through Paul, put this in there because it's important. 
It's important. Here's what it is. It's when the Holy Spirit's power comes and fills somebody with insight into people and situations that you would not otherwise know. That you would not otherwise know. When you see something in somebody, and it's as if you got um, a, a, a window into their soul, and you see exactly what's going on, and it may be something that they may not even realize, but it's the key to bring about the grace of God in their life. And let me say, first and foremost, concerning every one of these gifts, is that in the purpose, because by definition they are grace, that as a result of these gifts, grace must abound more so. So like, if you do any of these things and it leaves people feeling worse than when they started, you goofed up. You weren't doing it through the Holy Spirit. All right? Why? Because even in correction, if need be, and we'll talk about this, it is to bring about grace and health and healing. And so a word of wisdom or word of knowledge is the ability to see into somebody's into somebody and say, this isn't something that we would commonly know, commonly see, but this is what the Holy Spirit is saying. Let me give you an example in Luke 20, 20 through 22. This is what happened with Jesus, okay? This is a couple of examples from Jesus. The first one is more of an example of understanding and how the word of wisdom, word of knowledge was used by Jesus concerning the Pharisees. And so in Luke 20, 20 through 22, it says, keeping a close watch on them, they sent spies. This is the Pharisees who pretended to be sincere. They hoped to catch Jesus in something he said so that they might hand him over to the power and the authority of the governor. So the spies questioned him, teacher, we know that you speak and teach what is right and that you would not show partiality, but teach us the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And they felt like they got Jesus in a catch-22 because if he was to say, you don't pay taxes to Caesar, then all of the Romans there that controlled that region would come against him and they would arrest him. But if he were to say, yes, you pay taxes to Caesar, then he would lose the, the sentiment of the Jews that were, were following him because they, they revered the Romans as people who they hated. But Jesus understood the heart of the people that were questioning him. He knew what was going on. He, he had the insight. He had a word of wisdom here. And so his response was this. Give unto Caesar what is Caesar, and unto God's what is God's. Give to God what is God's. Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. He picked up a coin. Whose face is this? Give it to him. It belongs to him. It's got a signature on it. And Jesus immediately dispelled his accusers and the spies that were trying to trick him. How did he do that? We can easily just say he was the son of God and he he knows all things, but he was executing something that we also can possess, which is a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom. Why? Because he understood, discerned the intent of their heart. He knew what they were going to do. He got a window into their soul. We see another time that this happened here in John 1, 46 through 49. And this is with Nathaniel, and I love, I love this story. This is when the disciples were being called into ministry, the beginning of Jesus' ministry in John 1. 
This is Nathaniel talking. He says, Nazareth, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching him, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. So here we see Jesus calling the disciples, and Philip goes to Nathaniel and says, I found the guy that we're supposed to follow. I found the Son of God. I found the Messiah. The one who we've been talking about that's been that, that energy in the air, that stirring in the air, I found him. He's coming. And Nathaniel says, where is he from? Philip's like, Nazareth. And Nathaniel's like, what? Nothing good comes from Nazareth. Uh-uh. You're telling me the Messiah is coming from Nazareth? And so Jesus walks up, and here's what Jesus had. He had a word of wisdom. He had a word of knowledge. And he sees Nathaniel, and he looks at him and says, Hey, I'm looking at a guy who has no deceit in him. And that was a high compliment. And Nathaniel looked back at him and said, how do you know me? How do you know me, Jesus? And Jesus answered, and this is how we know that he was operating in this gift of the Holy Spirit. He says, I saw you while you were still under a fig tree before Philip called you. Jesus saw him, not in the future tense, but in the past tense, and he saw him, he saw him in this place. He had a window to his soul, and he knew under that, under that fig tree what he was pondering, what he was pondering the future of Israel. He was pondering his own future. He was pondering what life would be like with the Messiah. And so Jesus used this gift, and he got right past all of the objections of Nathaniel, right to the heart of the matter. And Nathaniel's response is an indication that Jesus struck a nerve. Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Why? Because Jesus knew. He had a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge. He knew what Nathaniel was thinking. He knew what he was pondering. He knew why, what, what was going on in his heart. Why is it important to operate in this gift? Why should we desire to have this gift? is because it unlocks the hidden things and uncovers the truth that will bring freedom. How many of you guys can agree that it would have been a much longer road for Nathaniel had Jesus not operated in this gift? How many of you know that Jesus could have got trapped and by the spies, the Pharisees there that were trying to trick him? But he operated in these gifts, and these gifts are not unique. It's not just stuck to Jesus. No, matter of fact, Jesus said, the things that you see me do, you'll do these things in greater. Why? Because of the Holy Spirit who's coming. The second is the gift of faith. We see that in verse 9. The gift of faith. This is not saving faith. This is not saving faith. Let me, let me just define that for a second. Saving faith is when the Holy Spirit moves on our heart, and our response is, by the Holy Spirit is to trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Every one of us who, who have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that the Holy Spirit first breathed into us, first knocked on the, the door of our heart, gave an invitation, and our response was, by faith we receive Jesus Christ. And that's how we know that we're saved. But what this is talking about here in verse 9, the gift of faith through the Holy Spirit, it's talking about a supernatural ability to believe God for big things. Some things that, listen, and I want to say this very carefully, but they may not be, you may not see them in the Word of God. Okay? 
How many of you guys knew it took faith to get into this building at some point? How many of you know it took faith to start a church? How many of you know it took faith to move anywhere in this, <laughs> anywhere, right? How many of you know it took faith to step out and to get the thing, the job that God called you to get, right? So here's what I'm saying is that nowhere in the Bible did, did you know, say go start Freedom Christian Fellowship. But what it did is give a mandate to make disciples. And so faith was birthed. And then faith has to be released. That's the gift of faith. Okay? It's very, very, very important. The gift of faith is extremely important. And we see Jesus talks about it very, very specifically and kind, of, and kind of oddly even too. Because in this passage we're about to read, we see something that Jesus says that sounds super strange. In Matthew 17, 20, he says, he, he replied, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. And Jesus was talking about the gift of faith inside of us. And listen, if you desire this, then go for it. Go for it. And often it's in a specific place. It's in a very specific place. Look at Elijah. You know that Elijah says that he was a man after God's heart, right? So he, he, he was a man that had a hold of God's heart. And according to his word, the rain was shut up. And then according to his word, it rained again. So Elijah in his heart looked over uh, Israel because of what was facing Israel. They had turned and began to worship an idol god, Baal under the leadership of some terrible leaders. And so God sent Elijah to begin to deal with this and to bring the hearts of the Israelites back to him. And so one of the things that Elijah did, and it's very important to understand this because we see the gift of faith in operation here, is that God didn't tell Elijah to do this. Elijah, in his spirit, saw it, and he spoke to the sky, and he said, don't rain. And for three and one half years, it didn't rain. And then the scripture says that he looked back up and he said, rain. And at his word, it rained. Now you might call that a miracle, but I call that great faith. When's the last time you got outside and be like, don't, don't rain. God was telling him to do something very specific. It was for a purpose. It wasn't for a show. It wasn't to flex his muscle. It was not to flex Elijah's muscle. It was to display the love of God for his people. There's another gentleman you may or may not have heard of. His name's George Mueller. In the late 1800s, he had an orphanage in Bristol, England. That in his lifespan, he had over 10,000 orphans. I love this story. He was a man of faith. How many of you know that when you have that many orphans, and now, of course, that's not at one time, but you had hundreds of kids at any given time throughout the years, that you have to have faith. And in one particular account of his life, they had no food in all of the orphanage. And so it was time for supper. And he sits these kids down at their tables. Their bowls in front of them. They're empty. And he says, bow your heads. We're going to thank God for our food. <laughs> these kids looked at him like, oh, he's, George has lost it. He said, Lord, I thank you 
that you provided this food for me and these children. I thank you for who you are and what you have done. We honor you and we bless you in the name of Jesus. And when he said amen, there was a knock at the door. And it was a guy that had a cart, a big cart carried by a horse filled with food. And he goes, I was driving by and I just felt like maybe you guys needed some food. How many of you guys know that that kind of faith is contagious? And, and, and a lot of times in order to get this operational inside of us, we got to see it. And I, th- I thank God for in this house, there is a seed of great faith. This is very, very important because in order to do the things that God has called us to do, and there are times, and it's actually more often than not, that we, we need great faith. I mean, the Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, 6, without faith it's impossible to please God. So we have to live in a place of faith. But concerning the gift of faith by the Holy Spirit, there are things absolutely in every one of your lives that exceed you and you will need faith for. You will need the gift of faith for. And you had better get that from the Holy Spirit or be around somebody that has it. There have been times that I've been a little bit lacking and I'll get around people that have the gift of faith and it will begin to tune me up and get me going and get that pumping and priming in my spirit. And you have to have that. Why? Because God is calling every one of us to supernatural things that require great faith. Thank the Lord for that. Seriously, stop and thank the Lord for that. Why? Because it is a display of his power on this earth. How many of you guys know that the children in that orphanage that day understood that God was real? George couldn't do that. How many of you guys know that the people of Israel, after another display from Elijah, by faith calling down fire from heaven, they turn their hearts to God. Why? Because the gift of faith unlocks a powerful belief in Jesus Christ on the earth. Number three, the gifts of healing. The gifts of healing. We see this in verse 9. Now this is interesting because there's a couple. This in the, the gifts of miracles are Plural. In the language, so it should be read, the gifts of healings. The gifts of healings. And that's important because what that denotes is this, is that that one person, there's not just one person who does all of the healing. There's not just one person who does all the healing. Let, Let me break that down another step. And something that in order for the world to see these gifts and to come to our Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit to flow is that we have to be people as much as we want to be around people who carry a specific anointing or a gift of the Holy Spirit that we become a people who desire to operate in those also. That we can never look at a person who operates in this gift and put them on a pedestal and try to esteem them to a place and I'll go as far to say this because some of you have been in this camp that we've been in for long enough time and you've seen people rise and fall. And some of the reason why that happens, not all of the reason, but some of the reason why that happens is because we don't understand the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Because we look at those people and we say, you've got it all. You've got it all. Let me just come to you. Instead of understanding that God desires 
for us to eagerly hunger the Holy Spirit and to operate in these ourselves. A lot of times they're specific. The gift of healings is specific to us a certain thing. A certain thing. That there's a need for a certain thing. And the, and the best example, I shared this with my small group on Wednesday nights, is a, a person named Heidi Baker. Some of you might be familiar with who she is. But her and her husband have a, a, a powerful uh, ministry to orphans in Zimbabwe. And many years ago, the Lord spoke to Heidi. The Holy Spirit spoke to Heidi and said, I'm going to use you to heal blind eyes. I'm going to use you. And that's very specific, isn't it? And that fits the biblical context of this gift. And so she stepped out and she started to pray in obedience, which took a lot of courage. She began to pray for people with blind eyes. And the first person did not get healed. Nor did the second or the third or the fourth. Actually, it wasn't until the hundredth person that she prayed for to God heal the blind person. But can I tell you something? According to her report, she's a reputable person. Every person she's prayed for with blindness since then has gotten healed. Why is that, why is that important? It's important because what we see here is the understanding that we can all operate in these things. And there's specific things that God has put on our heart. There's certain things that you see, certain sicknesses that you see on people, and it, and it hits a nerve inside of you. And can I suggest to you to offer that to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, are you giving me a gift of healing? Are you asking me to pray? Another example of this is Peter and John as they were heading to their time of prayer and they came across the lame man. The gate called beautiful. I mentioned this last week. I understand this could be classified as a miracle, but I actually believe this is a gift of healing. There was a lot of things that they could have done for this man, but what they chose to do was the one thing that he needed the most. He wanted money, but what they gave him was life. And how they gave him life was by rebuking a sickness that had cursed him from his youth as a child. And with an outstretched hand in the authority of the name of Jesus, the name that's above every name, the Holy Spirit moved powerfully in this gift, this gift of healing. And that man got up and the scripture tells us that he began to dance and leap and praise the Lord. Why? Because the Holy Spirit got to move and it, when the Holy Spirit moves, it shows off. And there's a reason why the Holy Spirit shows off because it glorifies the name of Jesus. See, what happens is if you read that story, if you care to read that story further, that man wasn't allowed to go into the temple to worship because by the standards of the Judaic law, he wasn't considered worthy because he was unclean because of his sickness. And isn't it just like the heart of the Father to remove any kind of separation that separates us either in our thinking or in our past that keeps us from the revelation of his love? And so the Holy Spirit said, no, actually, I've got to come, Peter and John, if you'll allow me to. I've got to come and I've got to rebuke the one who's come to accuse this child, this son of God. And in that moment of decision, they didn't give the coins that they had. They didn't give. They didn't have anything to give. They didn't, they didn't just pat them on the back and say, we know Jesus. They said, Let, let's see a, we're going to see a tangible manifestation of this resurrected Jesus Christ. In his name, rise up and walk. And what was restored to that man was so much bigger than just his ability to walk. And that alone is enough, really, folks. That's, that alone is enough. You would ask that man, he would say, I'm happy with this. But, but what also was restored is his relationship and his understanding of the love of God. 
So he came into that place and he was able to worship again. He was able to have communion with someone who desired him more. His love for him was greater than his, his sickness. Why do we need this today on the earth? Why, why do we do this? And, and, and this is challenging. I understand the challenge of it because it takes courage to do this. And just the simple fact that Jesus still heals. I know not everybody gets healing, but Jesus still heals. He still heals. There are broken people that we work with. There are broken people in our community. There are are sick people in our community. And it's our responsibility to go as we're led by the Holy Spirit. If this is something that is moving on you, and you'll know it because, like I said, there'll be a little shift in your heart. There's something that, that edges or nudges you, and you say, listen, it's not okay for this to be this way. I know that my God is able to take care of this. Then you may be on the threshold of seeing this. And to get this out, here's what has to happen, is that instead of leaving conversations without praying, you have to use a little bit of Holy Spirit power and courage and say, can I please pray for you right now? And then if you just want to throw some icing on the cake, you can just top it off and just launch something out there and say, hey, I believe that my God can heal. Do it. Do it. Nobody's going to be mad at you. Nobody's going to be mad at you. And can I tell you something else about every one of these things that the Bible says very clearly, and I, I go back and I got to mention. Paul says this. Listen, the Holy Spirit says this, that it's the same Spirit that gives all these and empowers all these. So when you step out and do this, this is not about you. This is not about how you're going to look. This is not about what people are going to think. This is about the Lord. And if you know, if you know, if you desire it and you know, then you can do it. You can do it. All right. Let's keep going. Thank you. You're doing good. All right. The gift of prophecy. Oh, nope. Sorry. Skipped over miracles. The working of miracles. And again, this one is plural because it should be, say, the working of the workings of miracles. So, specific miracles. This is the supernatural intervention into a situation, into a, a specific thing, whether naturally or in somebody's life with, with physically. With, it could even be a creative miracle physically on somebody. That's undeniable proof of a supernatural God. Supernatural intervention that is undeniable proof of a supernatural God. So here's, here's a couple of examples that I want to I show you. Uh, Moses. Moses operated in this when he, a couple of things, when the plagues came out, right? God showed up. He went to Pharaoh and he, he said, this is what's going to happen. And we see that, right? We, we've, we've read that story. We grew up on that story. Also, when they crossed the Red Sea, he held up his staff. Aaron supported him. And what happened is that the waters parted and they walked across on dry land. That's an example of a miracle. God intervened in nature and displayed his power. Why? Because he's a supernatural God. It's proof of a supernatural God. The story of the the, the Hebrews crossing the Red Sea is, is, is a powerful story, a powerful truth about the gift of miracles and why miracles are important still today. Why they have to happen today. What about Jesus turning water into wine? That's just a fun miracle, isn't it? 
And I just, I love that. Why? Because Jesus understood what was being celebrated and what was happening and the importance of that, that marriage ceremony. He understood what it meant for the host to, to, to run out of wine, to run out of the good stuff. What it would have been, it would have been a really bad blow to their hospitality, which was something that was very revered back then. It wasn't, it's not like us saying, oh man, I'm out of Cheetos. I'm sorry, run to the store. Y'all want to order a pizza? You know, we don't care, right? Like, hey, it's easy breezy, man. But there, they ran out of wine, and Jesus, and he stepped up, and he did it. And what is that? That's a miracle. That's a miracle. Of course, Jesus didn't do it just to do, as a party trick. He did it as a display of who he was. Who he was. I love this one. What about Joshua? Some of you might have never heard this story before, but when Joshua brought the Israelites over into Israel and they were fighting the, the, the occupants of Israel that were, that were trying to occupy the place that God had given them, the promised land. In a particular instance, they were fighting their enemies, the Amorites, and they were winning. And so in order to destroy all the Amorites, the dusk was beginning to settle in. He could see Joshua knew it was going to get dark and they were going to be able to flee. So Joshua asked the Lord, will you please make the sun stand still? And God paused the sun in Joshua chapter 10. He paused the sun in the sky so that Israel could destroy all of its enemies there that day. That was a miracle. That was a miracle. That was a miracle. I mentioned this earlier, but in Acts 4, we see Peter and John after they get out of prison for, for healing that, that layman at the gate called Beautiful. What happened is that they come back and they pray specifically, not, not just in general. God, will you continue to move? Listen, and, and if this is something that's in you, right? You desire this. And again, at the end of 1 Corinthians 12, this, this is who the Holy Spirit is. At the end of 1 Corinthians 12, the, the, the encouragement to us is this, is to eagerly desire the greater gifts. Some of you say, look, I'm good with prophecy and words of wisdom. Those are safe places. Healing, that's, that's kind of getting out there. But miracles, I'm not sure. How many of you know that, that God still desires to have miracles today? And Acts 4 is proof of that. Because the disciples, as they gathered together, prayed specifically for signs, wonders, and miracles to continue to be poured out. Because they understood the quickest way to answer any skeptic, anybody who would go and try to, to say Jesus wasn't real, the resurrected Jesus was not the Messiah, is that in the name of Jesus, a miracle happens on the earth. And when we just kind of sideline these things, folks, listen, when we sideline these things and say the great stories in the book of Acts, but yet we watch things transpire in, in the places, in the communities we live, the reality is this, is that we are choosing, we are choosing to use the wrong tools to do the job God's called us to do. I made the illustration last week. In my house, what happens is that I... I I'm not handy Andy, you know what I'm saying? And, and if something goes wrong, like I got to unscrew, like, you know, fix a light bulb or something that has a lamp, a shade on it. I'm like, kids, bring the butter knife. <laughs> How many of you have unscrewed anything with a butter knife before? And chunked the butter knife across the room because you're like, oh, come on, you know, you get frustrated. Do you feel that way spiritually? 
Do you feel that way spiritually? Because if you do, start using the right tools. Honor the Holy Spirit. Invite the gifts to come in. What if God wants to do a miracle? A miracle in your life? To display the undeniable supernatural power of the resurrected Jesus Christ? As I said already, the reason why this is important is because it grabs the attention of people and serves as a springboard for the gospel to be preached. The, the early church understood this. The value of signs and wonders was to see the gospel preached. Verse 10, the gift of prophecy. What is it? It's the divine revelation normally for things that are not yet Divine revelation to see the things that normally have not yet happened, future things, in order to encourage and edify. So God gives us a picture, gives us a word for somebody or something. And we speak that out and it's a future thing that God desires to do. And the purpose of that is to encourage and edify. To encourage and edify so that people will continue to move forward in the things of God. Most of the time, if any of you have ever received a prophetic word, I know that in my life I've received many, that it is confirmation of something that I have felt God saying about me, but it is exactly what I needed to get me over maybe something I was thinking, a hump in my thinking, maybe a little bit of discouragement in my heart, and to push me into what God is calling me to do. It encouraged and edified me. Three things to remember about prophecy. There's three things that have to happen with every prophetic word, okay? The first is that we have to understand that there's revelation coming. All right? Revelation from heaven. That which is given from heaven or comes from God. Okay? And then there's interpretation, which is how it's received. And then there's application, what we do with it. So any prophetic word that you receive, you have to know that it's from God. And if you're the giver, you have to know that it's from God. And then for when you receive a prophetic word, you have to interpret it in your life. How do you receive it? That's why the scripture tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5, 19, 22, do not quench the spirit, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. So when you get a prophetic word, listen, it is your responsibility to interpret it, to understand, is this what God is calling me to do? Maybe you have people in your life that you can springboard it off of. Maybe you know because it's confirmation in your spirit. But if it's not something that edifies your spirit, encourages you, or lines up with what God's doing, you can toss it or put it on the shelf. That's what it means to test. That's what it means to test. Does it hold up under the test of the revelation of the love of God in your life? But the most important thing with the prophetic word, after you've interpreted it, is to apply it. What's the application on it? I think the, probably the, the most discouraging thing within the prophetic movement is this, is that we have collectors, like collectors of baseball cards, of prophecies, that have never asked the Holy Spirit how to apply the words that have been given. 
Because what you're going to find here in this is through the gifts of the Holy Spirit is a lot of these things connect in here. Because you might find after a really good prophetic word, the gift of faith is necessary. Or the gift of healing is important. I've had people prophesy, you're going to lay hands on the sick and they're going to recover. Well, okay, that's good because like the Bible says it, right? So you're kind of like, eh. But what was awesome about it is that I knew that and I've heard that before. It keeps coming up. And so I'm like, all right, awesome, good. Yes, that's great. I can put that on my resume, you know? No, uh uh-uh, that's not what that's for. The next thing that needs to happen is say, Andy, are you exercising the gift of healing? Holy Spirit, I need some courage. Okay, all right, come here. All right, can I pray for you? I broke my leg. This is what I do. I broke my leg. My, in the youth group in Los Angeles, we, were, we had these kids and we were going through this. And it, I mean, it got to the point we were praying over everything. Why? I, I, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. You know what I love about young people and about kids and adults? Jesus actually says this in, in the Gospels. He says, listen, unless you're like them, these children, you can't enter in the kingdom. He's not saying you got to be young. He's saying you got to have faith like a child. You got to believe you got to believe like a child. <laughs> when we lived in Los Angeles, we had Disney season passes because when you're a local resident, it's like dirt cheap. It's dirt cheap. Not even a hundred bucks. And so they sent us mail all the time. We get all this stuff and Lily was just a little, little girl, two, three years old. And every time we got mail, from Disneyland trying to promote like something we should buy, I would go to her and I'd hand it to her and I said, Mickey Mouse sent you a letter. And her face would light up. She'd be like, ah, Mickey got me a letter. She'd run around with this letter and she couldn't read. She didn't know. (laughs) So wrong, isn't it? I don't know why I threw that in there. That's how children have faith, right? They believe the best. So in the youth group in Los Angeles, like kids pray Pray for, pray for each other. Wasn't hurting nothing. They were going for it. Oh, that's not responsible. That's not responsible. Listen, these have to be done decently in order. We're going to talk about that in just a second. Mm. Holy Spirit's so good. So listen, when you get a prophetic word, ask the Holy Spirit how you can apply it, okay? Test it. Test it. To those of you that have ever received a bad word, (laughs) like some of you guys are deathly afraid because at some point in your life you went to a church and the guy, the the prophet showed up and he was calling people out on garbage. Like you got sin all over you and like everybody's ducking below the seat. Like how do I get out of here? I got to go to the bathroom and escape out the back. Now let let me tell you something, all right? I'm not telling you that God can't operate that way. But I will tell you here, I will tell you here, just not, not under my authority, but what God said here, the prophetic words you receive here, if you ever receive a prophetic word, it's going to be encouraging. It's going to be edifying. It's going to build you up. Okay? All right? Nobody's going to read your mail and go, ah, you're a sinner. You don't like the cowboys, you know? <laughs> All right? Nope. It's not going to happen. Okay? Why is this gift important? Oh, man, I could say so much about this. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm blowing the time up, but let's keep going, okay? Because God still speaks to us today. Man, thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Seriously. Like, I, hope that, I hope that resonates in your heart from a sincere place, that God still speaks to us today. Could you ever imagine living in a house where the parents didn't speak to you as a child? And grace to you if that was ever your situation. Seriously. But our Father's good. He loves His children. He's passionately in love with His children. And He speaks to them today. Jesus said in Matthew 4.4, 4, when He was in the wilderness, and the enemy tried, the Satan tried to get Him to turn stones into bread because He had been fasting 40 days. He looked at Him and said, man does not live by bread alone, but every word, rhema, fresh word, freshly spoken word of God, every rhema, breath of God that proceeds from God's mouth. And so here's why you have to understand that prophecy is important today because what happens is this, is that you can get prophesied to while reading the scripture. You can because the, the scripture is alive. It is living. But you can also be prophesied to somebody who stands up in that gift. Paul actually says, and we talked about it yesterday, uh, last week, is this, is that he desires that we would all prophesy. Why? Because when prophecy is used right, and it's done through the revelation of heaven, not through our contriving. Some of you are just really good encouragers, but you're my, maybe not up to that prophecy place. Sometimes I'm a really good encourager. And if you're a good encourager and you're trying to step out into the gift of prophecy, here's what you do. Don't start with God told me. Just say, hey, this is something that is on my heart for you. And if it fits you good, if it doesn't, throw it out. And you just release it. And if it's edifying and encouraging, it's not going to do any damage. Right? Because I can tell you you're beautiful and not say God told me to and it's still going to make you happy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But see, the gift of prophecy is important because here's what's happening is that we're receiving the fresh word out of the mouth of God regularly. Verse 10, we got two more. Thank you all for being patient. Distinguishing of spirits. Discern, some of you say discerning of spirits. What, this, what is this? This is in, this Holy Spirit empowered ability to recognize when the spirit is moving or the presence of demonic spirits. Okay. Let's talk about this. Let me give you a couple of examples. Just one example really quick. So Paul is on a, one of his missionary journeys in Acts 16, 16 through 18. I'm going to read this. It says, once when we were going to the place of prayer where we, we were met by a female slave who had the spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed. I love that. That he turned around and said to the spirit, I love that. In the name of Jesus, I command you to come out of her. At this moment, the Spirit left her. Okay, so this is what happened here is that Paul is on a missionary journey. They're, they're going through town, and then this, this girl who has a spirit, the Scripture clearly says, and it's not a spirit from God because you can't, Paul couldn't turn around and say, I'm annoyed because you're talking too much, even though what you're saying out of your mouth sounds good. It's not coming from the right place, is it? What was she saying? These are men of God, true, who have come to tell you the way to be saved, true. But the problem was the spirit was wrong. It was a demonic spirit. And so Paul being patient and probably discerning 
He was discerning, discerning, discerning. He probably started off very honestly, just kind of pushing it aside. And as it chased him around, and you got to think this person wasn't behind him, like directly behind him the whole time, but they would show up and begin to make declarations over him. Some of you have experienced this before. It's weird. I can see it as I look over here. Some of you are shaking your head going, yeah, I've, I've been there. And he turns around and he does something very important. Okay, this is very important. Is that he looks at her and rebukes the spirit. He does not rebuke her. Wow. Don't you love that combination of fierceness and gentleness? Deal with the sin. Deal with the thing that's harassing this girl. Now you've got to understand after this, <laughs> Paul got beat up <laughs> because he took somebody's income out. But he understood and he looked and he said, in the name of Jesus, be removed. So here's the thing I need you to understand with this. Because there, we are in a spiritual battle. Ephesians tells us this, all right? So we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers, and high places. We understand this. So we are in a legitimate battleground. Good news, very important. The overarching news that you have to have in you is that the one who is in you is greater than the world, okay? So don't, like, you know, unbalance that. Don't go Harry Potter on me, you know what I'm saying? Like, don't, just don't do that. And so uh, here's the thing, is that there are real spirits that exist on this earth that have to sometimes be dealt with. And the way that they are dealt with is by this gift of the Holy Spirit being seen, being used, being operated, the distinguishing of spirits, the discerning of spirits. And anytime you get a discerning spirit, understand that here in Acts 16 should be the best model of how to use this gift. Here's what I mean is this. Don't run around telling everybody that there are spirits creeping all around. Don't do it. Because you're not acknowledging the other side of the authority that the Holy Spirit's given you, which is to remove the spirit that's annoying. Don't come and say, Pastor, there's all these things that are coming, opposition's coming against me and my calling. It's like, hit me, hit me, hit me. Because my response to you is to say, have you rebuked them in the authority of the Holy Spirit? Because he is in you and he's giving you authority to do that. The Bible talks about different spirits that exist. The spirit of infirmity in Luke 13.4. Sometimes the illnesses that are on us are a result of spiritual demonic things. I know we don't want to hear that. But listen, go back and look up every one of these things. The scripture says the spirit of infirmity. Of course, we've already read about divination in Acts 16. In Mark 9, verse 25 and 29, the deaf and mute spirit. The scripture says deaf and mute spirit. So that this person's deafness and muteness was a result of a demonic thing. Error or falsehood, 1 John 4, 6. So here's the thing to understand. This is what I love about the Holy Spirit is because we have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. So in the situations that we exist in, if you see one of these things, that you need to be gentle in your spirit, just like Paul. You need to be discerning. And if you're not quite entirely sure of what it is, then don't step out on it. But if you are, understand that you have the authority. If you're discerning a spirit, and listen, if you're just kind of, if you feel like some of you are discerning in nature, like you, you see and you feel things, and it probably is an indication that this gift is, is, you're at the threshold of this gift. And if you desire this gift, let me, let me tell you 
that you have to be, you have to be filled up on the joy of the Lord. Why? Because if all you do is walking around all day and discerning bad things, discerning bad things, you know what? That's your diet. You got to be filled up in the joy of the Lord. You got to understand the purpose of why this gift is given. And the purpose of why this gift is given is so that freedom can come. So people can be free, can get set free. I really feel like there are some, there is a beautiful marriage between the understanding and the natural. Like, so the church has come to a, a great place. I, I went to a Bible school where the person who started the church, I don't agree with this, believed that every um, sickness and infirmity was demonic. And in the 50s, that was something that the Pentecostal church took on. But here's where we're coming to, is we're coming to a place of greater understanding where that there is an an agreement because we are seeing an epidemic of people who are being, coming under some mental illness in this country. Let me speak in great grace and gentleness. And there is a marriage between the understanding of what needs to be done medically or naturally to heal people and the understanding of the authority of the Holy Spirit. And the overreaching thing with, those, this, with this marriage is that freedom occurs and that grace abounds and that people are built up. Why? Because there are people in the church, there are people outside of the church that are called of God to do great things. And there are sometimes things that need to be broken and shaken off of us in order to accomplish those things. All right, the last one, tongues and interpretation. Save the best for last. Hey guys, you can come back up, Justin. This is a spiritual language, not a human language, when it talks about tongues. So the only time, I said this last week when we talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the, the gift of speaking in tongues, is that the only time that, that word in the Greek is the word language, Okay. But the only time it was used as a natural language was in Acts chapter 2. Meaning this, that when the disciples were filled in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, as Jesus promised at the ascension. They go out and they begin to speak in tongues. Well, the people hearing heard it in their own native language. They were coming in. I don't mean to keep saying this, but they were coming in from different places to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. And they came from places outside of Jerusalem and even Israel that they spoke different languages. And so they heard it in their language. And the argument has always been, were, were the disciples speaking in that language or were they the people hearing in that language? Let me just tell you this, that every other time in the New Testament where this word is mentioned, it is not a human language. It is not a human language. It is not a human language. No matter how theologians slice and dice it, it is not a human language. And so this is what this is. This is a prayer language that communicates directly from our spirit to God's heart. And this is for the purpose of intercession in times when we don't know how to pray. Scripture tells us that when we, in Romans, when we don't know how to pray, we, we, we pray in, in groans and, and, and urgings and mutterings that are coming out through this beautiful prayer language. The gift is a beautiful picture of the body of Christ, what it should look like in unity and agreement, because in this particular 
passage of the gifts of the Holy Spirit with the gift of tongues and the gift of interpretation. And the reason why we put them together is for this reason, is the Bible's very clear that should this gift happen in a corporate setting like we are today, there must be an interpretation. If somebody were to stand up and begin to speak in tongues, there must be an interpretation. And the purpose of this gift is to edify, to, to build up. Let me give you an example of this. In 1 Corinthians 14, in verse 18, the scripture tells us that Paul spoke in tongues. In verse 5, he comes back and he starts and says, I want you all to speak in tongues. But he also says, listen, in the church, tongues is only fruitful when it's interpreted. And then he goes back in verse 15 of 1 Corinthians 14. He says, in our personal times of prayer, we must pray in the spirit and our understanding. Uh, we've maybe grown up in, in, if you've grown up in a Pentecostal church, you've heard it said like this, breakthrough. You know how breakthrough happens. Paul actually gives us a glimpse in 1 Corinthians 13, how breakthrough happens. Breakthrough happens when we're praying and we're interceding for something and we don't really know what to pray for. We don't know where to go, but where we start to go is this, is in the spirit we begin to pray in our spiritual language. I, I told my, my, my Wednesday night group, they're, gonna get, they're like, man, you got to tell, you got to divide up your stories, buddy. <laughs> I told him the story of when I prayed for my brother. I dropped him off. I've said it in this church before, but it's a, it's a powerful example of this. My brother was on cocaine. Oh, my mom died. We drove from this place, from southeast Texas, over to Georgetown, Texas, picked him up, and then all the way up to Washington, D.C., 24 hours in our, mini, in a, in our minivan with my, my wife, me, my high brother, and his high wife on the way to lay my mom to rest. And by the time we turned around and headed back and I dropped him off, it was in the evening, and he's like, you want to come in? I'm like, I want to run you over. I don't, I don't even, I don't even we're, not, we're not kin anymore. I don't know how that happens, but, you know, we're done. I was so, I was just so tore up in my heart. I'll just be real honest. I was broken, just tore up. I was thinking all sorts of terrible things about him. <clears throat> so we started driving off and my wife says, we need to pray for your brother. I said, woman, I'm going to push you out the car. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. I said, no. I said, no. I said, I'm not going to. I don't want to. I don't care. I'm not going to do it. And so she's like, well, I'm going to pray. She starts praying in the Spirit. Well, you, you know, here's the thing. This is what's so powerful about praying in the Spirit. Because Paul says that when I pray with the Spirit, my mind is unfruitful. Oh, that's tripped us up, hasn't it? But here's why. My mind hated my brother. But the Spirit of God in me agreed with what God wanted to do in my brother. So I began to pray in the Spirit with my wife. And we prayed. And we prayed. And my mind changed. My spirit, my mind lined up with my spirit. And then we got the breakthrough on it and we stopped. It wasn't but a few weeks after that 
at this point in my brother's life. My brother, and, and listen, I'm trying to be very honest because I don't want to hype any stories up. My brother dealt with a lot of things. But the deal with cocaine was broken a few weeks after we left my brother. He walked up to a small Assemblies of God church on a weekday afternoon, knocked on the door, and the pastor answered. And he said, I'm, a, I'm an addict. I've left Christ. I need to find Jesus. And uh, <clears throat> this guy said, you came to the right place because I'm an, I'm an ex-addict too. He gave his life back to Jesus. My, my brother took his life a few years ago because he, had, he dealt with something that was tormenting his mind. So there's a beautiful marriage, isn't there? There's a reason why. And there's times in our life when God calls us to pray and he asks us to intercede and we don't know, we don't understand. But we begin to do that and we intercede until we get to the place of breakthrough. But there's also an importance it's one of the things that we don't see too often in the church. And listen, fear cannot be our guideline. The lack of understanding cannot be the thing that dictates how the Holy Spirit moves. Because the only thing that we need today is a move of the Holy Spirit. We don't need anything else. We need the sons and daughters of God to come into the revelation of the great love and the authority of the Holy Spirit to walk in the power of that Holy Spirit on this earth to see freedom be delivered in ways that we've never seen before and hearts come to Christ that have never come to Christ before. To be poured out on this earth like those promised on the day of Pentecost when Peter got up and he said, just as the prophet Joel prophesied, that the Spirit of God is going to be poured out until the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, which is the return of Jesus Christ back on this earth. And all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But they won't be saved in a church that's not conceding itself to the power of the Holy Spirit. They will not be in a church that be saved from a church that has conformed into the image of this world and not to the image of the Son. So here's our prayer as we close this out. We're going to go into a time of communion and then I'm going to have my ministry, the ministry teams come up. They're going to minister. Some of them have words of knowledge and words of wisdom. I want to just make this bold thing out here right now. Some of you need a prophetic word. I want to see this place filled up. I want to see this altar filled up. Like if, if that's you, we want to pray for you. We're just going to, some of you are saying, look, I, I feel like this is me. You mean you make an altar in front of your chair? You need to do it. Just, just do it. Just settle something in your heart this morning. Let this be our prayer that we yield and accept the gifts of the Holy Spirit as good and perfect. Paul bookends this whole thing and he says, listen, all of these, they came from, they came from the Holy Spirit, but they're, they're from, they came from the Holy Spirit. Like he bookends it for this reason to say, look, if it comes from God, it's good. God is good. He doesn't give bad things. And so if they came from God, they're good. If it came from the Holy Spirit, it's good. Let our prayer be, Holy Spirit, we desire your gifts so that the body of Christ will grow and reflect the glory of Jesus. Why do we want the gifts of the Holy Spirit? So that we begin to reflect Jesus more and more. Let our prayer be this. Holy Spirit, allow these gifts given to us 
in your power to exalt the name of Jesus and draw men to him. That means this, that Holy Spirit, we really are going to need your boldness at our workplaces. We're going to need your boldness at our schools and, in, and even in our homes. Some of you need to start operating in your prophetic gift within your family. You need to prophesy over your children. <laughs> Some of you parents are going to be like me. Your eyes are going to be filled up with tears. And you're going to begin to prophesy over them. And you're going to begin to declare life. You're a mighty man of God. And you know that. And you know that. And you know that. You're a mighty man of God. And you know that. And you know that. Spirit of the Lord is in you. And he's there and he's hovering. He's in you. He's moving through you. And now is the time to say yes. Now is the time to say yes. Everything else in the past is done. Today is the day to say yes. I'm not saying yet, telling you to say yes to Jesus Christ. I'm telling you to say yes to the gift of God in you. Because he is in you. and He's powerful in you. He's going to move in you in greater ways than you can even imagine. You are going to get blown away by what God is going to do through you. Say yes. Say yes. All right. Stand to our feet. Ushers, if I can get you to do the other two tables. So this is ministry today. Listen, we're just going to come to the table. This is like one of those Russian dolls, man. It keeps popping out. All right. We're going to come to the table. Ministry teams, if I can have you come up now. Those of you who are ministering, come on. Spud Kig, you want to come up? Can you come up? Y'all can grab communion if you want to take it now. And listen, as we as we uh, come into a time of communion, the, the team's going to get back into worship. And I want to I want to invite all of you. Please don't leave. Service isn't over. This isn't when we just pack up. You don't take the communion and walk out. I know it's late. I know I went over. (laughs) That doesn't even make sense. You can't go over. Listen, here's the thing. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Some of you need, you need words of wisdom or you, you, need, you need something. You just say, look, I need something from the Holy Spirit. Last week I gave the intention, I'm sorry, the invitation to be baptized in the Holy Spirit with the manifestation of speaking tongues. If, that's, if, you, if you still need that, it's, it's still here. <laughs> it's available. So let's just really go after it, okay? Let's go after it as we do that. If somebody can hit the lights back there, Jeff. Not, not make it pitch black, just where we were. All right. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, just come and begin to blow over your people. Just come and begin to blow over your people in a powerful way. Just like you did, just like you've been doing, just like you promised. We create 
an expectant atmosphere for you to move, Holy Spirit, in our lives. Begin to call us into the fullness of our calling that we've been given through Christ Jesus. Empower us, Holy Spirit, with your gifts to do the things you've called us to so that the body can grow, so that men can come to know Jesus Christ. Oh, we love you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you here. You are honored. Just blow now, Holy Spirit, across this place. As you feel led by the Lord, come up. Hallelujah. 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 The Lord is so good. Ah. <laughs> He's so good. Okay. All right. You can be seated. Let's go ahead. Thank you, ministry team. All right. The Holy Spirit is so good. So good. Okay. I hope that um, some of you are like, well, why are we stopping? You don't have to stop. I mean, services cannot be what defines the Holy Spirit, okay? The Holy Spirit needs to move when you leave this place. So you need to make time to meet with the Holy Spirit when you leave. Like, put it in your calendar, really. Like, tomorrow morning or tonight or whenever. And where, if you pray, let me say this because... This is something that we have to get back to. We have to get back to. There's a, there's a stirring. This is, and it's really good. It's not, it's, it's not just here, okay? But we, if you pray in the Spirit, you need to pray in the Spirit every day. Okay, I'm just saying, if you don't, it's okay. Not, it's not something that divides us and does all that. But if you do, you make time for it every day, all right? And if you are hungering those gifts... Some of you need to go back to some prophetic words, and, and if you're like me, maybe you keep some of them. I've got a, a, a tape from the Webbers that came years ago and did prophetic stuff here. We, Kim and I have kept for, it's older than some of my kids. And I'll go back and listen to it. Why? Because it's being fulfilled. It's, some of it's been fulfilled, but it's being fulfilled. And so if you have those words, you need to continue to keep them in front of you, Okay. You say, well, uh, listen, you know, that's new to you. That's okay. You need to do that. Please do that. Why? Because you are building up your spirit. All right, stand to your feet. Father, we bless these folks in the name of Jesus with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We thank you. Amen and amen. Hey, have a great day. We love you all so much.